Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Flores alleges that in 2019, Ross was upset with him because they won too many games toward the end of the year and moved down in the draft order. He wanted them to lose, according to Flores, and even offered him $100,000 for each loss. Um, he also claims that in 2019, when Tom Brady was still under contract to the Patriots, that Ross wanted Flores, who had been a Patriot assistant and had a good relationship with Brady, to contact him about the possibility of becoming a Dolphin when he was a free agent. And under NFL rules, that would be tampering. Okay, what's going on here and what's the greater significance to those of us who don't follow sports that closely? Well, Brian Flores, who's been a head coach in the NFL uh, for the Miami Dolphins, is suing the league. Uh, whoops, I'm sorry. I clicked the wrong button here. I'm trying to get this story up. Um, is suing the league for uh, racism in its hiring. That's that's the headline. He alleges there's racism in the hiring practices and has uh, offered up uh, various pieces of evidence like so many hot buttony race issues when they hit the mainstream media, especially the sports media, these people, they're just new to this sort of thing and aren't very good at assessing it. Um, let me say at the outset, if the NFL or any other organization is engaging in racist hiring practices, number one, they're idiots. And number two, they should be swept aside by the broom of history. And, and and start hiring the best people possible regardless of race. But I have a very strong feeling that is the case in the NFL. Okay. That was Bob Costas we just heard from, and he didn't talk about racial stuff particularly there. He was talking about uh, he'd been off, told he'd been offered money to lose games on purpose. How does that fit into the whole racial thing? Yeah, that's, that's not clear to me. And that's the funny thing about this suit that... Uh, uh, the, Mr. Flores is trotting out all sorts of strangeness and odd behavior and maybe dishonest behavior, but the racial part of it is uh, it's it's impossible to prove. I mean, we could go into some of the statements, some of the quote unquote evidence, if you wanted. Well, I'm particularly interested if if we either have the clip or you have that info about the whole. Um, just because. We have, you know, I'm aware of this in various places I've worked. The uh, the guy claiming that they interviewed me and they'd already made their decision. They were just interviewing me to fulfill the need to show that you interviewed people. Right. The grumpy, behooded Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots is being dragged into this because he texted Brian Flores thinking he was texting. A different Brian. Oh, okay. And he texted, hey, Brian, congratulations on getting the Giants job. Well, Brian Flores was supposed to te- to uh, 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 apply for an interview for that Brian job. Brian Flores is the black coach. The, the black coach you're suing. He was supposed to interview for that job in a few days. And, and the Giants had assured him, no, the job is still open. Here's the situation. And, and again... It seems weird that in a vastly majority black football league that the owners would be conspiring against able black coaches. You know, in a win or or win or die scenario, it seems odd you would discriminate. Um, But Jack, this is a great example of a principle we've been talking about in the last year or so. That when a what is it when a measure becomes a standard. That measure is no longer When a measure becomes a goal, it's no longer uh, useful. That's the Goodhart law. Right. 
So here's the situation in the NFL. They have the Rooney rule, they call it, after one of the old-timey owners of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, it requires teams to interview minority candidates for their open positions. Uh, it's amended that in recent years. Now says the team must hold an in-person interview with at least one external minority candidate for any general manager or head coach opening. And so that's become proof that you're not a racist, quote-unquote, which is silly, honestly. Right. And so you got a situation where the New York Giants probably had somebody in mind, interviewed him, thought, wow, they're more impressive than I thought. I love this guy. Everybody loves this guy. Let's hire this guy. And then somebody says, Rooney Rule says we got to interview a black guy, a Hispanic guy, Asian guy, whatever. Um, and so they schedule Brian Flores as a token interviewee, which uh, Brian does not appreciate, and, and I don't I don't misunderstand that at all. I get that completely. Right, but you know how often that happens in hiring? Like all the freaking time. Do you know how often? Of course you know this. I mean, if you're at any level of uh, management or have been in any industry, do you know how often you have in mind who it is you want for the position, but you have to interview a whole bunch of people to satisfy various laws? That happens all the freaking time. And it's not a race thing. I mean, it could be, obviously. It's possible that you could have somebody just... I'm never going to hire a black coach. That seems crazy to me. That seems so unlikely, uh, given the pressures to win and everything like that. Um, but yeah, all the time, people in hiring positions have a candidate in mind, but they have to open it up to fulfill various laws, getting to the whole, as soon as a measure becomes a goal thing, that it's it's useless. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you do it just to fulfill various qualifications. You had the person in mind, you already, somebody you know, you know the track record, that's who you want for the position. You know, I think the intent of the NFL rule, the Rooney rule, was a good oh, one. I'm sure Because they were saying, you know, we kind of got an old boys club that's exclusively white here. Let's make sure we look outside and give everybody a fair shot. Again, really good intention. But, I mean, he also, uh, Brian Flores, who's suing, points out that when he was interviewing with uh, the Denver Broncos, the that-time general manager, uh, quarterback legend John Elway, showed up to the interview an hour late and hung over. <laughs> Like he wasn't really serious about the interview at all. So, I mean, if if you want to accuse these people of saying of being of using the Rooney rule just as an artificial box check, well, they're almost certainly guilty of that. But that does not equal racism. Because I don't know, maybe Brian Flores is not that great a coach. I, I have a feeling he's a really good coach. If he got hired at all in the NFL, he's probably a pretty damn good coach. But can you accuse can you sue the nfl oh my god that's an interesting question in my head what is the nfl or what are the nfl teams guilty of they are guilty of following the letter of the law of the rooney rule but not the intent but that's not racism right and it getting into fairness and hiring practices and all these things it gets complicated fast but um all the time people hire somebody for a position because it's somebody they know because it's just it's just way more comfortable and safe and you you feel better about hiring somebody i know this guy i worked with him for years i know he'd be perfect for this there's yet, no dark side or, no or, or, you know flaw that, or woman or right. whatever whatever it's going to be but you hire somebody you know that happens all the time in all industries and it's not necessarily racism the the problem gets into you know um 
probably more likely that white bosses hire white friends that they had from college or whatever. Um, that's when it gets complicated, I suppose. But it's yeah, not but- necessarily because you're refusing to hire somebody that's black no, I or think a Brian- woman or whatever. Maybe Brian Flores is doing a good job in pointing out that their their system doesn't work. Whenever you try to codify good intentions, when you try to turn your good intentions into a regulation or a law, you're almost certainly going to have more unintended consequences than your intended consequences. It, picture this instead. The NFL comes out with a statement. You got all the owners. What is it, 32, something like that? You got every single owner standing there with uh, Roger Goodell, the terrifying, closely allied with Satan, commissioner of the league, um, making a speech. And he says, we've been meeting and discussing the fact that a large majority of our players are African-Americans. Many, many of our fans are black folks. And we look around the league at our coaches and our front offices, and we don't see a lot of black people. For the good of the league, for the good of the fans... We've all decided we got to really take a look at more candidates and make sure we're not overlooking great black talent just because we don't know them yet. Make that statement and mean it. That that would do way more good than the Rooney rule, which is, I mean, a child could yeah. either evade it or check the box with right. no intention yeah. to live up to the spirit of it. Yep, that is absolutely right. And, uh, yeah, you could, you could say that and mean it in your organization because the pressure to win is huge. I... You know, are, are there still some old owners who are racists? I don't know, maybe, but I got to think the vast majority of people are under so much pressure, general managers and everybody else, to just, I want the best. I want whoever's going to win us the most games. Freaking period. I got to believe is the case almost 100% of the time. Well, let's hear something reasonable and, 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 uh, and, well, reasonable from. Former NFL Players Association President George Martin, number 25, Michael. It, it's obvious that Brian is going to become the Rosa Parks of the NFL, and rightly so. It took an inordinate amount of courage for him to, to file this lawsuit and to stand up against one of the largest corporations in the world and, and talk about the fact that there is less opportunity for people of color than there are otherwise. As the kids say these days, yeah, no. But the the idea that you went and interviewed for the job and they'd already made the decision and now you got to sue. You know how many people listening right now have probably interviewed for a job where the decision had already been made? Practically, practically everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's just the way it works. Yeah, how many times did we do that? I know I've interviewed for jobs where they'd already made the decision. In retrospect, and yeah, it does piss you off that you got all dressed up and a little nervous and traveled and everything else. But it happens all the time, and it's but- not always racism that caused it well in the 90s uh radio companies had rules demanding they interview at least two doughy midwestern halfwits <laughs> that, that's you know that's half our interviews that might be the most important thing i've learned in the last couple of years is that good heart rule or law that as soon as a measure becomes the goal it's no good anymore give us another example because oh it's such an important principle. Off the top of my head. I'll yeah, think, what was we'll oh, uh, test, test scores in schools? Oh, absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. As soon as you make that the standard for whether it's a good school or not, everybody involved, everybody starts manipulating what the school does to raise the test scores, or, or, never mind if it yep. ill serves the kids. Or the graduation rates. We want your graduation oh, rate to one. go up. Okay, we'll lower the standard so more people graduate. Anybody who shows up at Fogsamira graduates. There you go. Yeah, so completely ruined 
that by turning it into the goal. And it happens all the time. Look for it in your life. Look for it in your business. It's it's something to watch out for. Um, very interesting stuff. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Sunday night, I made our kids who are four and seven, uh, Billy and Jane, their lunches. I pack the lunch and then I add a note for my son Billy. I draw his little Spider Man. And Jane loves the song Girl on Fire by Alicia Keys. So in her lunch, I reference that song. Now, I should also add, I, I'm 54 years old and I can't see anymore without, I can't read without glasses on. But when I wrote the notes, I didn't have glasses on. So I didn't notice that the pad I grabbed to write on had the words F this at the top. It said it on Billy's and it said it on James. And I didn't realize it until I got a text after the show from Billy's teacher with a pic. Luckily, Billy can't read, but Jane on the other. So I get home from work last night. I'm like, uh, how was school? And she says, there was a very bad word in my lunch today. Yeah. But Daddy's blind and dumb, so. You know, I should just enjoy that story, but all it did was make me feel guilty because for some reason I stopped doing that or lost track of it. I think it's because Sam took a hot lunch for a long time, so I got out of the habit. Now he's back to taking a lunch from school, and I forgot that I used to do that. We'll have to start that again tonight by putting a little note in the lunch. Of course, that's a nice thing to do. Yeah, that's sweet. This is a sweet tale of fatherhood from Jimmy. Appreciate it. I don't know why we went from bring your lunch to hot lunch and then back. Maybe it's just variety. You know, could be. Yeah, I was, a, I was a I was a bag kid. Hot lunch too expensive. I think I went back and forth. Also, I don't recall. Yeah. Oh, breaking uh, media news! Breaking media news! Jeff Zucker, president of CNN, has resigned. Not for airing an unwatchable channel of biased halfwits, but instead for playing hide the mic with a subordinate. Well, it says a, another senior executive. So you probably don't know who this person is, and you shouldn't. Um, but he's one of the most powerful people in all of media, and uh, he's a big deal. And he's stepping down at, at CNN for for because he had failed to disclose to the company, a romantic relationship with another senior executive. I don't know the details, and maybe there's some details that will make this a fireable offense. Why is him having a relationship with another senior executive something he has to quit over? Corporate code, blah, 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 zero tolerance, blah, blah, is blah, that the hashtag me too. Is that, that, you, you tell me, is that the world anybody wants to live in? Not adults. Uh, excuse me. Was everybody uh, totally consensual? Did anybody feel any pressure? No, no. All right, we're good. On on with your work. If she's, he's 56 or something like that. If she's 20 and an intern and says, I felt like I had to, that's different. But if it's another, you know, grown up who's also a senior executive, that's where like half the people in the country met their spouses. And especially, you know, if you're at the upper echelons of big-time media, and it's a stretch to include CNN. I grant you that, okay? Um, uh, you're probably spending horrific amounts of time at work. 
Well, right, exactly. And uh, no, no, maybe there are details that, but I, I just don't like I'm reading the New York Times version. I don't like that it's being presented as clearly, you know, it, it doesn't even get into it because clearly it's obvious to anyone. He had a relationship with someone at work. He's got to leave. Sure, of what? course. How many people have met their spouses, some tangentially work-related thing, different department or whatever? Like lots and lots and lots. And for what it's worth, I think Jeff Zucker is a lying pig. I I wish he were out of media. I don't have a shred of love nor respect for the man. But he's getting railroaded. Yeah, well, at least it looks like it does. I always think this all came out of the Me Too era, and I always remember Geraldo Rivera saying we're criminalizing courtship. I think that is, to a certain yeah. extent, what has happened, but we'll see. Although maybe the powers that be at CNN thought, well, this channel is an unwatchable collection of halfwits. We really ought to get rid of this guy, and it was fifty-one forty-nine for the longest time to keep him. I don't care whether he's there or not. I just The cultural issue of the whole Me Too thing is interesting to me. Here's another story I don't care about. You'd think I wouldn't pass along stories I don't care about. Uh, the Washington <laughs> Washington Redskins has revealed their new name. They're now the Commanders. Okay, whoop-de-doo. Too many Commanders, not enough soldiers. That's what I say. And if it sounds stupid to you, which it sounds stupid to me, every sports name, if you were hearing it for the first time, would sound stupid to you. I grew up in Chicagoland. There are zero Bears, for instance. Well, but if you were starting from scratch and they were naming your Chicago team and they said the Cubs, you'd think, what? That's the worst name I've ever heard of. Yeah, because all the bears in the the forests in DuPage County. Or Dodgers or Lakers or lots of examples. Sure. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I'm watching the media frenzy around a media story, and most of you have never heard the name Jeff Zucker, probably. He's the president of CNN, and he's uh, president of a bunch of other stuff, too, and he's a powerful guy in media. But anyway, he's resigning. Because, why does he have to resign? Because he failed to acknowledge to his company a consensual relationship with another senior executive. Is that the world you want to live in? You have to let your boss know. That you're having a consensual relationship with another person at your level grown up. Right. You've got what? To re- you got to report to the board of directors who you're sleeping with. What? Whatever happened to being a gentleman? It just seems and 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 nobody's pointing out that part of it. It's all just the feeding frenzy of uh you know, the politics of it. You either hate him because it's CNN or whatever, but nobody's pointing out, hey, does anybody want to live like this? Where if you date somebody at work that's at the same level of you, you have to tell your boss about it or you lose your job? That's weird. Well, and even if they're not at the same level, as long as everybody right. involved says, yeah. no, 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 the, the work thing had nothing to do with it. We hit it off. No, I don't buy the power imbalance thing anywhere, but anyway, but I don't think that's going anywhere. Well, right. Now, if there's, like, uh, sexual harassment, you got to have sex sure. with me to keep your job. That's no, loathsome. That's it's despicable. I want that uh, guy beaten. On the other hand, if there's some woman out there in corporate America or maybe, I don't know, uh, politics in California who says, yeah, I'm more than willing to sleep with somebody powerful to get ahead. (laughs) I don't have any problem with that ethically, morally, or physically. Right. I can't think of any examples, examples over the, off the top of my head. Um, but. (laughs) 
Anyway, uh, if you make that decision as a woman or as a dude, for for that matter, uh, what is that on me? I mean, I understand that, you know, once sex comes into things, it gets a little crazy. But I just I don't want to live in a world where all of this is, you know, codified. I wonder if she's going to have to quit. Well, no, because she's the underling. I mean, barely if she's a senior exec, but he's the president. I just came out with this quote, but it doesn't say who it is. Uh, Jeff and I have been close friends and professional partners for over 20 years recently. Listen to this. This is the world we now live in. So apparently this is the woman explaining what happened. Uh, Jeff and I have been close friends and professional partners for over 20 years. Okay, so you're full-on grown-ups. I don't know her age, but he's 56. You've been working together for 20 years, so you're at least in your 40s, probably 50s. You've been working together for 20 years. Recently, our relationship changed during COVID. I regret that we didn't disclose it at the right time. Wow, that is straight out of 1984, man. That's the world we live in now. So you got two people, probably in their 50s, have worked together for 20 years during the pandemic, for whatever reason, working more hours together or whatever. You ended up in a relationship relationship, and you didn't tell your boss about it, so you now lose your careers over it. Cancel! What kind of world is this? It's so crazy. It's just weird, man. I know. And I don't know anybody who wants that, but it's just where we are. Yeah. So much of this out of the the woke, aggressive, rampaging left. And and see if you hear anybody else today talk about this angle of it, of do we want to really want to live in a world where we're criminalizing people falling for each other? Right. Right. Nobody even asked the question. Just you will obey. Hmm. Interesting. Allison Gullist. Okay. Now I know her name. CNN's executive vice president. So she's at a very high level. So they've worked together for 20 years. He's the president of CNN. She's the vice president. They start doing it during COVID, and now he's got to quit because he didn't tell his boss. Can we as a show go with become romantic as opposed to start doing it? I mean, come on. I know you. You know a lot of words. Find better ones. So nobody thinks it's perfectly reasonable to not have to tell your boss who you're in a a romantic relationship with? Uh, By the way, uh, boss, I I meant to bring this up yesterday, but uh, last Friday night, uh, Jenny and I went out to dinner, and I touched her boob, and she said it was okay. Or I guess you'd have to go further back than that. Uh, we were we were at a meeting, and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and I felt this feeling, and apparently she did too. And now we kind of feel like we like each other. And then, see, so you got to describe that to your boss, to to grown ups, consensually doing this. Sure, you got to fill out a form to the board of directors. Yeah, uh, yesterday at the board meeting, uh, uh, Jenny looked at me and she smiled at, at me in a way that I took to be more a personal expression of affection than professional approval. Signed, Joe. <laughs> Oh my God, that is crazy, and and I don't think anybody will even comment on this angle of it. No, no, you're you're I, so right. I saw a tweet from Megan Kelly. So uh, the the woman, as I just read, has put out her version of the story. We failed to. It just recently happened, and Megan Kelly, who's a lawyer, her response was recently is not going to ha- hold up in court. So she's on the side of this. Wait is, a minute, you have violated what court. The- <laughs> For what? Who's hearing this? What are they hearing? Well, if they, if the, uh, I don't know if she's quitting or going to get fired or feeling like she's got to step down, but exactly, exactly. So uh, Megan Kelly's on the side of, sorry, recently he's not going to hold up in court. What the hell? Aren't you bothered by this at all? 
I know. Well, <laughs> it doesn't bother you? Come on. You know, it's funny. It reminds me of something I was going to bring up. If we have time, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. But I came across a really good piece uh, in a lot of ways uh, about um, uh, uh, college costs and college debt and 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 the state of universities now and uh, blah, blah, blah. And, and it went paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. And some of it was quite good. Never asking, wait a minute. Why is college so expensive? And it gets into it kind of as an afterthought at the very end um, and offers some alternatives that were actually cool and interesting. But they never even asked what ought to be the obvious question. In the same way that we all ought to be asking, do does anybody, I mean, seriously, anybody on earth sincerely care whether two senior executives at CNN are knocking boots? No. Or holding hands at the Brooklyn no, Zoo. No. The hell do I care? No. No. There might not be I like this a new- single human being on Earth who actually cares about this. I like this new wrinkle, though. Well, I, I, I care about the overall uh, direction we're going as a society. Sure. I, I think it's terrible. I don't want my kids to grow up in that world. Oh, yeah. Totally different question. God, when I was younger, every radio station I worked at, I think everybody there was dating. I think everybody was. <laughs> Always. It's where everybody, that's where all the relationships came from. Every, at sure. work. Yeah. When I work. When I was like in my 20s. And uh, the idea that that's just seen as just absolutely can't happen. And nobody was harmed, by the way. Everything was perfectly fine. I mean, people got hearts broken and stuff like that. The usual, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and be a bad expression in this case. But, um, uh, you know. Uh, just the, the normal things of relationships, that part. But it didn't. Nobody was harmed in any way. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? I had one more thing to throw in before I got we to this. We have criminalized courtship. We've criminalized like courtship. Yeah. And uh, oh, the fact that he has a contract where you have to disclose to your boss if you get in a relationship. Okay. Fantastic. That makes sense. But now we want we got some dirt here. Do you want some dirt on this story? Yeah. Even yeah. though these aren't people yeah, we yeah. care about yeah. or anything like that. And I don't know who this blue check mark is that tweeted this out. Among the weirdest things I've read about the Zucker scandal is that Gullist, that's the other senior executive that he was what in love with? Is that what did he, what phrase did well, you want? They're romantically involved. So you you don't mean to say doing it? You think that's the <sighs> again again with the gutter talk? Zucker and Gullist. <laughs> Zucker, I only dated her twice. Hey, oh, come on, folks, tough crowd here tonight. Come on. Buddy. <laughs> So just so I can quantify this, what I said was out of bounds, but what you said was perfectly fine. I'll let the people decide. <laughs> so uh, among the weirdest things I've read about the Zucker scandal is that Golist, the girlfriend, and her husband, okay, hello, moved into the apartment above Zucker and his wife. Hello. Same building, one floor apart, on purpose while everyone was still married. So, unless these were open marriages, and I don't have any reason to think they were, they were having, they were both having affairs while they were married. She moves in above him, so it'd be easier to, for them to get together, maybe? Again, this is still none of CNN's business, in my opinion, at all. Nor the, ours, and, but... No, nor ours, <laughs> and their spouses have every right to, be, right to be crazy pissed off or hurt or everything like that. But, why he's got to leave CNN, I have no idea. Unless they're running some sort of, uh, you know, swap-a-thon there in the uh, Upper East Side. 
Well, that's not against the law That's what it sounds like to me. No, it's not. That is what it sounds like to you? I don't know. Absolutely. They probably installed a spiral staircase between their two places. Boy, that's a bold move. That's a bold move. Well, yeah, I want now I want to know more. I mean, did like did she convince her spouse, you know, I found a great apartment. Oh, and funny coincidence. <laughs> or were they all in on it? It's a Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice thing, if you're familiar with that 70s chestnut about wife swapping. Now there's another story. Two top CNN executives got into a heated public debate during a media party. So... Did they get into a fight? I think there's going to be a lot of dirt on this that is ultimately none of our business or important. But it uh, could be a fun story to follow. Is there any truth to the rumor that uh, Zucker dressed up as a wolf and made her dress up as a lamb? I don't know. So a lot of people are trying to tie it all together where you had Chris Cuomo supporting his brother who who was a... Um, pig. I mean, he was a bad guy around Sweet the whole Me Too thing. And I love you. Allegedly. But Chris Cuomo of CNN, you know, threatened women and stuff like that to try to keep his brother in office. That's that's not cool. But that has nothing to do with this. No, it's clearly it does. It's a, it's a, it's a cesspool, a trench full of wickedness. You got Tubin pulling his crank out at meetings. That's another good point. That's probably not the right term either. Um, Wolf Blitzer comes off as if he's in the late stages of syphilis. Nobody, I don't know that he is. Wolf Blitzer says, nobody wants to touch me at all for some reason. <laughs> I'd, you know, they say Wolf Blitzer's a nice fella. Maybe I should lighten up he on He probably Wolf. is. Yeah. He's just a dope. The fact that nobody is interested in pleasure involving him is <laughs> none of our business. Certainly not. Well, we'll keep our eye on this important story. Maybe we should take a break, he says, three to four minutes late. <laughs> More on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Got a story here about rampant crime, car thefts, specifically in Portland. Like most of these stories, Portland, Oregon. If there are any Portland Mainers listening and saying, "Oh yes, finally!" No, sorry, Portland, Oregon again. <laughs> also a great town, but oh yeah, wonderful. Um, uh, but as usual with these stories, interchangeable. Could be L.A., could be St. Louis, could be Chicago, could be New York, could be Austin. From what I hear. Yeah, indeed. Could be. Yeah. Actually, we got a, such an interesting email from somebody in Boise, beautiful Boise, Idaho, which is the blue spot in a very red state. And some of the hijinks that are going on there in terms of bums and junkies. Uh, well, uh, I've got that on the back burner. We'll get to it eventually. But uh, Dan Springer on a special report with Brett Bear a couple of nights ago talking about car theft in, Oak, uh, in uh, Portland. Let's start with 60, Michael. Driving through Portland, Oregon is like a tour of auto graveyards. The last three months were all records for stolen vehicles. 2021 set a 26-year high with 9,057 cars and trucks taken. And increasingly, they're ending up in tent city open-air chop shops. One is next to Acme Storage. Our city council and our mayor are idiots. <laughs> Just straight-up idiots. They, they don't seem to care. You know what a chop shop is, right? Where they take stolen vehicles and uh, take all the parts off of them to sell those parts? 
Keep in mind, it's open air now. They're doing it publicly in beautiful yeah, Portland. I just heard in my ear from a uh, someone we work with who said there's one of these on their street that they just out in the open are taking cars apart, always a different car. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Unbelievable. There's more. 61. There are 100 different homeless encampments in Portland, nearly all allowed to stay and grow during the COVID pandemic. This boat repair shop is near Delta Park, a sprawling homeless magnet. Have a car partly pulled apart and then come back the next day and they'd taken even more parts out of the vehicle, tip them over, burn them right on the street. Clark Tenney, who owns a towing company and impound lot, can easily spot the stolen cars coming from the homeless encampments, stripped of batteries, catalytic converters, tires, and usually set on fire. He sees a total breakdown of law and order. The punishment for the crime, there's, there's nothing there. It seems like we hear more and more that if you get pulled over in a stolen car and you just say, I didn't know, they send you on your way. Whether what? you stole it or not. you got to be kidding me. I wonder about that. There's a little more, actually, about the, the coppers but does, uh, and their attitudes. But does that sound like civilization to you? No. You have 100-plus junkie camps where they're openly operating chop shops. That is unbelievable. One more, 62. Portland police recover 78% of stolen vehicles within 30 days in a variety of conditions, but almost never investigate. There hasn't been an auto theft unit for 16 years, and deep defunding in the wake of racial justice protests and record homicide numbers has pushed car theft off the priority list. Our staffing issue is going to play a role in our ability to address this, and we know the problem is bigger than we can handle right now. What what is the uh, outward limit that people put up with? You think before the pendulum is pushed backwards? Yeah, it varies from place to place. I think uh, depending on the attitudes that were there in advance. I mean, Portland is way way left. Um, may take a little longer, but even the mayor Ted Weasel, for instance, finally some pronounce it Wheeler, uh, finally stood up to the Antifa mobs and said that's enough violence, that's enough burning uh, violence, that's enough shining lasers in the eyes of hardworking cops trying to blind them. So well, you know, people have a, a limit to their tolerance. One of the many disingenuous aspects of the whole homeless situation, the way it's portrayed by city leaders in the media is is not acknowledging how much stuff they steal because yeah. you know it's got to be about inequality and a lack of housing and how tough it is and capitalism and whatever else it is um and just ignoring the fact that so much stuff gets stolen where do you think they get all that stuff where do you think they get their tents and their bikes and their barbecues and all those different things where do you think that stuff comes from it's like the guy who uh, I talked to and then wrote us that long letter about how he would, whenever he'd get arrested and thrown in jail, when he came back out, he had to start all over again. So he'd go to Home Depot and he'd steal a um, pair of bolt cutters. Pair right? of bolt cutters, and then yeah. he'd go get a bike, and then he'd just start on. You have to steal a tent, and you just start have to rebuild all your stuff. Of course, it's all stolen. Yeah, tons of stuff stolen. If you have a homeless camp anywhere in your neighborhood, you're going to lose your bikes, maybe Rampant your pets. Yep, absolutely. I think it's notable to point out that same gent story was finally there was a judge who said, uh, I see you again, you're going to jail for a long time. And he said to himself, oh my God, I don't want to go to jail for a long time. And he did what it took to clean up his life. So Hanson, you think that, that just within a block of the radio station, there's a chop shop happening? Just on our street? 
I mean, I see the the car that's being dismantled, but I suppose it always is a different car. Maybe that is what's going on there. Well, I can tell you for sure that not very far away, it'd be like a 10, 12 minute walk where I was getting physical therapy. Um, right there is uh, all sorts of that stuff is going on rampant. Hmm. So that's what's going on when you see a vehicle that its wheels are missing and stuff. They're mm-hmm. dismantling it. Yeah, they steal it and chop it. Okay. And nobody cares. And nobody cares. You call the police, nobody comes because they're understaffed and dealing with a whole bunch of other stuff. Right, they're dealing with the guy who got murdered down the street. Or the uh, the DA in your area is not going to prosecute somebody for that anyway, so what's the point? Good point. Good point. Well, that reminds me, story of particular interest to L.A. and probably San Francisco, but, uh, you know, anywhere with a, a woke, lunatic D.A. I had forgotten or hadn't realized that a couple of years ago when George Gascon retired early from San Francisco, D.A. more or less got run out of town and announced he was going to run in L.A. The mayor of San Francisco wrote an open letter to the people of L.A. County saying, do not elect this guy. He is utterly dishonest. He is an incompetent administrator. There is nothing to like here. I'm paraphrasing. And then, he got, get out. and then he got elected in the second biggest city in America. Yeah, he said the right progressive stuff about the downtrodden and, and the patriarchy and white supremacy and systemic racism, whatever. And people, you know, crawled all over each other to vote for this charlatan. How do you think California got the reputation it has nationwide? <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. If you miss yeah, an hour of the show, grab it on the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty.